Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week, it's going to be a long, long time till Touchdown brings us round again to find that we're talking the Elton John biopic Rocketman, as well as speaking to two of the film stars, Bryce Dallas Howard and Jamie Bell. And we'll also be bringing you a whole new world with Guy Ritchie's live-action take on the Disney classic Aladdin. I'm still standing. Good stuff. I'm Sam Howlett, and it's lonely out in space. So joining me this week, are you Ryder? Are you Ryder for love? Is that, an Elton, Ryder. Is that an Elton John song? That is an Elton oh, John song. Oh, are you song. ready for love? Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I knew that was an Elton John song. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> and I guess that's why they kill it the blues. It's Kelly Powell. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> Hello. So before we hear from this week's guest and talk Rocketman, let's start with Aladdin. So I feel like I don't really need to introduce Aladdin, but I'll do it anyway. Young pickpocket Aladdin, who lives on the streets of the fictional kingdom of Agrabah, rubs a magical lamp and releases a genie who grants him three wishes. While Aladdin uses his new magic to woo Princess Jasmine, the evil Jafar schemes to take the power for himself. So Disney are going full speed ahead with remaking their classic animations. Guys, how do we feel so far about Disney's approach at the moment to remaking their classic properties? I mean, it seems as though they're remaking everything. Yeah. Um, I think I heard I heard the uh, the writer of the songs in Aladdin, whose name I've I've forgotten, which is really Ron bad. Clements. But yes, he uh, he said today that he thinks the only one they'll be unable to remake is Pocahontas because of its kind of it would mm. be a problematic sure. film to remake. But um, yeah, it seems at the moment though they're just happy to to try anything. I think the Little Mermaid's probably the one that people are waiting for now the big one that people are waiting for but um i've not dived too deeply into these live action remakes to be honest i've kind of stayed away from the jungle book and the beauty and the beast remakes um you know i've this might be like my own second or third one that i've seen um but i think that they they definitely want to find directors who have a passion for the uh the animated film uh and i think i think with aladdin it kind of shows yeah this film was I think initially met with a lot of pessimism and skepticism I think from all three of us as well mm-hmm. I think we went into this film with a little bit of a reservation about what we were going to expect but we were all pleasantly surprised yeah yeah I was very ready <laughs> to not like this film mm-hmm. also on the one hand you you I just hope in some ways that these remakes don't become a replacement 
for the originals. You know, I hope that they're just like an addendum and like an addition for kids these days to sort of get into Disney and mm. then discover, you know, this other world because there's something so you can't re- you can't replace the originals. Um and in some way I was kind of like as a kid, you know, growing up on these on these films kind of a bit resentful it's like why no don't you don't have to do it but i guess it makes sense and they're updating the stories for sure like this aladdin has got another little subplot for jasmine that like makes sense um in today's world and yeah very pleasantly surprised like really enjoyed it i think it's got something for everyone like people who love the original will will Mm. like this and i think kids kids are new kids coming to the to the story are gonna like it and it's exciting and yeah, I think there's like a few layers to these Disney remakes at the moment. You're getting them on on one level. You're getting them as a as a clear kind of a money cash grab mm-hmm. from Disney. The second level is a kind of nostalgia trip for a lot of people who saw these films in the '90s, who grew up on these films, who watched them over and over and over again. Um, and then the third one is kind of just a can, like a can we do it kind mm. of thing, like Disney being like, can we do this? Yeah, like shall we give it a try? And because mm. they've got the capacity to do that, mm. and um, you know. I think the the second point, the nostalgia point, is the bit that I connected with the most here. Like yeah. I, uh, this, I watched Aladdin so much as a child. I'd forgotten how much I watched it until I saw this film. Mm. So the parts of this film that resonate with me are the parts that I remember from the cartoon. So like you were saying, Kelly, like I, I don't see how the this film can exist without the cartoon. Uh, to be quite honest, I can't ever see these live action remakes becoming the kind of preferred version for anybody mm. Uh, mm. if they've seen both mm. but the, the you know and i don't think disney are willing to give up the the kind of um money and attention that those older animations sure. still must get yeah i think if they're gonna do it make sure that they're all this good and clearly have this much passion and fun put into it bizarrely this film is made by guy ritchie which is crazy to me because <laughs> guy ritchie started his career with Lockstock and two smoking barrels and snatch and he was the british tarantino for a good few years Mm. And he was the next big thing. And then his career took a really strange turn. He became Madonna's husband for the larger portion of his career. And then he came back with the Sherlock Holmes films, which I quite enjoy, but they don't really exist anymore. I mean, they still say, oh, we're going to make a third one. But does anyone want to see the third one? Yeah, he he, he went into this uh, kind of period of like of making adaptations of... Uh, of IP, yeah, I guess. King Arthur was yeah, the yeah. Like King, film. King Arthur, Sherlock Holmes, um, and it, and it just it all got a bit weird. Yeah, um, every now and then he'd do another one of his kind of Richie film, like Rock and Roller was his last yeah. real oh, yeah. Richie film, yeah. and just doesn't quite land the same way. I mean, I have to say, I don't see any Guy Ritchie in Aladdin. I no. don't. I don't see it. I don't see other than you know, other than that it's a good film and that it's clearly made by someone who's made a film before yeah. and and has a kind of grasp of of big budget. There's no. Like, there's no geezers in Aladdin. There's no geezers. <laughs> one geezer. Come on. Is there one? No, no. Okay, there should have been one. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, the parrot. They could have done the parrot. That, oh yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I I didn't see any Guy Ritchie in this. Did you, Kelly? Yeah. There was. There's some. There's some uh, Guy Ritchie moments for me. I think when they when he plays with the sort of like slow-mo and there's lots of speeding up of action and like you know just um a little bit of finesse that that that's definitely guy ritchie's influence you feel like they hired him for the kind of action scenes rather than for the the rest of the film because i suppose there's an element of like 
very rapid editing in this mm. film. Yeah, yeah. Very fast-paced. Like yeah. The opening is that, that zoom around Agrava. Yeah, I think there's an element of like knowing... There's a kinet- kineticism. Kineticism yeah. to it, yeah, for sure. That maybe they looked maybe at... Maybe that's Richie. Guy Richie yeah. and thought, we need somebody here who's not going to slow this film down and make it boring like something like Cinderella or yeah. in the Beast was, for instance. Like... Uh, you know this Aladdin, dynamism. Aladdin has always been about dynamism, and it's always mm. been about color, jumping across the rooftops, exactly, and vivacity, and yeah, the, where the cave collapses and the genie. For um, sure, for sure, this has to be. This can't be a stately Disney yeah, yeah, live yeah, action yeah. remake like the ones they've been doing. This has to be a fast paced action exactly. adventure film, uh, and I think it achieves that in every way. And I'm just so pleased that it isn't terrible. So let's talk mm. about the cast. Then the first reaction this film got was its trailer and its first images of Will Smith as the genie. And let's say they were met with one hell of a reaction online. Stephen, I remember you texting me that you gasped out loud. I did, I gasped. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Um... I, I was reading today an interview with Guy Ritchie and Will Smith and they were saying that they were shocked when the, the reactions <laughs> like came out about the film, uh, that everyone was so taken aback by the way that Will Smith kind of looks uh, in the, in this movie. But uh, Guy Ritchie came up with a really good point and he basically said we should have shown more of the genie in mm. the trailer. Like the fact that we saved him to the end and we build it up and then, you know, we get three seconds of him. You don't quite get the idea that in this film the genie is so malleable and yeah. he can like change into anything he can be a human that's blue he can be a, just a normal human being he can be huge he can be small and he looks different in every single one of these iterations mm. so the one shot that we got to see of him coming out the lamp was first of all a shock to the system <laughs> i didn't like it and i'm not quite forgiven them for it yet um and there are moments in this film still where the genie kind of flies towards the screen yeah. and it's terrifying because it's this big blue cloud with will smith's face flying towards the screen and you don't know what to think you can't your your brain can't process it properly but overall the genie looks great it, it looks good it it fits into the world it never looks there are moments where maybe the the eye lines are a bit off yeah. but it never really looks out of place in this world and i think that's you believe really it impressive. as part of this fantasy world absolutely totally yeah mm. And I think over the past few years, we've kind of forgotten how great Will Smith is when he does films like Suicide Squad or After Earth. And you sort of think, I don't know about Will Smith now, you know, but then you see something like this and you think Will Smith is such a movie star. Always has been, always will be. He's got such a star quality to him. And this is a great excuse for him to really show it off. Well, you're a big fan of the Robin Williams performance in the original. I mean, it's never, I love that performance, but it's never held quite the kind of, like esteem that some people put in is like yeah, where the great, the great yeah, voice, the great voice acting performance. Time. I love it. I do. Um, yeah. It was the first time as well that a huge A-list actor was yeah. openly a voice of an animated movie. True. That sometimes started a trend. Yeah, started some, a trend. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, did you think? It, how did you think Will Smith did? Yeah, I, I think that they did. A, they did it very cleverly because there's no way that you could ever replicate that performance and it's so iconic you know of robin williams and what he meant you know especially to kids in the night that's that is the the voice of the genie you know you it's very it's very hard to uh replicate that but they they've done it cleverly where they've given you know a, a, a totally different flair to the genie and upgraded it for today's kids that will you know like it's it's he's got this hip-hop influences I think and that's from the updated the oh, theater the, musical yeah, isn't yes it? you were like, saying yeah, yeah. He, obviously in the theater musical they the he's played by kind of a very flamboyant black guy mm. and i think will smith doesn't quite have that kind of flamboyance but he definitely has an element of like showmanship and kind of sass in there that maybe robin robin williams genie was 
Robin Williams str- stand up. Yeah, he was like a stand up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's the perfect way to put it. Impressions and like. Yeah. Oh, this is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Not one of your better impressions. Man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's my Robin Williams. Oh, how about this? But I was. Oh. I was. That was better. That was good. <laughs> I was watching uh, an interview with Will Smith on stage uh, after the premiere in London, and he was just. He, he said that the reason he looked so happy was because he could finally be on a Q and A session where he could talk about the film, and it was good. Mm. and he said like i'm really happy to just be up here and everyone's pl- like relatively pleased with the film because yeah, i've see, had some stinkers lately suicide squad is just kind of yeah. depressing like. yeah 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 usually he said usually people are just like so well um how are jader and the kids yeah <laughs> 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 talking around it, yeah uh, but no he seems really happy with the performance in this and i think after those initial reactions he he should be really and what did we think of the lead then uh, aladdin who is played here by mena masood I thought he was really good. Yeah. I thought he was perfect for the role. Yeah. Um obviously it's a risk uh, casting someone who's an who's a relatively unknown. I don't yeah. know him. Um And uh I think that he nailed it. I really do. I think that he captured the spirit of Aladdin and brought it to life in a in a really really good way. Yeah. I couldn't have asked for more. He's engaging. Yeah. And I think yeah. he's rather tasty. He's, he's handsome boy. He yeah. is hot. He is a handsome boy. I saw his haircut in real life though. Not not quite as no. uh, it's not doing it for me. But Aladdin <laughs> Looks yeah. great. Yeah. Same goes on for point. Naomi Scott. I Naomi was not Scott. sold um, on her as Princess Jasmine, but I think she genuinely manages to capture the spirit of the original kind of princess. Who I loved that she was never a background character. No, yeah. She was never a yeah. love interest in the original. Feisty. She's feisty and she has her own kind of like secrets to keep and her own yeah. story and her own arc. Um, and it doesn't completely get taken over by Aladdin's story, which I love. And in this, they kind of move that up another level they don't lose the yeah. spirit of the character but they still have this new element of like um i'd hesitate to call it feminism because it just seems like a strong female character who wants with agency yeah with, with agency her own desires absolutely mm. yeah mm. you didn't particularly like the her new song though did you Kelly? Mm, um, yeah so that was a little bit of a letdown for me i, I mean obviously the sentiment and the, the the moral behind the song is good um, and obviously, it's her storyline, which I really love. But mm, the song itself, not sold on quite yet. Yeah. I think it doesn't it doesn't fit for me quite in the same way as all the other songs. I, I, I was going to say, the, the film's not perfect. And it has an issue with kind of, uh, the, for me, the narrative and the songs sometimes don't quite mesh together as well as I'd want them to. They don't feel as natural as they do in the animation. Um, but... Uh, Apart from that, I think the songs are so strong. Apart from the new ones, which are you know, well, maybe no, we'll having get used said that, maybe I we'll think that that, that um, the genie, so Will Smith's first song, like or oh, friend, friend like, like me, is, me is so good. That's the the update of that song is yeah. so so good. That's the good. exception. Yeah. It's brilliant. But like you know, things like uh, one 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 step ahead, one jump ahead. I can't remember what it's called. Great song. So Too good. good to like mess to, with to, to mess with. Oh. Uh, but you know, it seems odd when they move out of the dialogue into the music. For me, I don't think it quite. Giles is a musical. Yeah. You're kind of reminded that it's a musical all of a sudden. Um, and the only other letdown for me, which I think we all agreed on, was was with the casting of Jafar. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jafar didn't quite do it for me. Um, Wasn't evil enough. Online, uh, people online have been calling him Hot Jafar. He's hot. Marwen Kenzari. He's fine. It's just Jafar's such a theatrical villain in the mm. cartoon. Totally. The they they, they definitely could have ramped He's it a bit up. too restrained. Yeah, even with his costuming, Weirdly. I was like, I, I want those yeah. shoulders to be bigger, man. Like, make it more like imposing. I don't mind Jafar being hot. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't need my evil characters to look ugly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the cartoon characters are sleazy looking. Yeah, there He's needs like, to be an element Ugh. of danger about him, yeah. and there isn't here. Um, you can still be handsome and be and feel dangerous uh, and threatening. That's an issue with the film for me. Is he never feels like a threat at all. True, but I think 
we can all agree most of this film works really well and you know i think people are going to be quite surprised by how much they enjoy this it's the ideal film coming out bank holiday weekend i think kids are going to really enjoy this film we saw this film with a cinema full of kids and they all seem to be loving it mm. very true so i definitely think this is one for families this bank holiday weekend now, speaking of colourful, entertaining musicals that were met with some pre-release pessimism that are actually really good, both directed by someone involved in the making of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Rocket Man is also out this week. Nice. As he enters a stint in rehab for drug, alcohol, sex and shopping addiction, Elton John looks back at his rise to fame from humble piano player to the biggest star on the planet. Looking at his relationship with his parents, his friendship with the lyricist Bernie Taupin, his complicated relationship with manager John Reed, and his battles with drugs and alcohol, all told through John's beloved musical Oeuvre. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we talk about Rocket Man, it's time to hear from our first guest today. Bryce Dallas Howard made her breakthrough in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village and has gone on to star in Spider-Man 3, Terminator Salvation, The Help, Pete's Dragon, and one of the best Black Mirror episodes. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. And most recently, she's been a big part of the enormous Jurassic World franchise. Here, she plays Elton John's mom, Sheila, and our very own Ryan Hewitt went along for a chat. Hello, Bryce Dallas Howard. Thank Hello. you very much for speaking to us today. Thank you, same. Um, so Elton John doesn't get much more spectacular and dramatic a life as that. Yes, yeah. You must have been pretty excited when that one came around, the opportunity yeah, to Yeah, it was kind of wild, honestly. Um, I was meant to go on vacation with my family, actually, in the UK. Um, and, and then I got this call that, that, that there was this opportunity and read the script immediately, spoke with the director and, um, and it, within six days I was on camera. Wow. So it was truly a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. And so Elton John, obviously the height of his career started in the seventies. He had his sort of comeback in the eighties. We're too young for the very early days. Do you remember when you first became aware of who Elton John was? The Lion King. The Lion King. I remember, (laughs) I distinctly remember turning the CD case over and being like, what inspired individual is behind this incredible music? You know, and and, um, and that's when I learned about Bernie Taupin and and Elton John. And uh, so you play Elton's mother, Sheila, Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. film. I think most people probably only really know about Sheila in terms of the feud that they had and the reconciliation in recent years, but there must be a lot more to Sheila that you found when you researched her. Is there a bigger picture here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for me, I, I 
it was important to me to talk to people uh, who weren't affiliated with the production, who knew her. Right. Um, so that I could get some sort of an objective um, opinion on, on, on kind of what happened, what had mm. transpired. And um, no, it was, it was really, it was very dysfunctional. And um, I don't know if she was well. Right. Uh, mentally, it's mm. be, because it was, um, and and certainly you know Elton suffered as well, it, and later uh, um, with kind of similar similar issues, and so it it was, it was just it was kind of insane to think of wow here's this young Mozart and he's you know growing up in a household where he's shown no affection. Mm. So well, there are two particular lines in the film that you deliver that uh, they're, they're obviously there on the page, but there's something about the way that you've delivered them that I feel like you found the empathy in who is quite a, on the surface, bitter and spiteful person. Mm-hmm. And it's when you're asked, does he have the talent when he's about to get the scholarship? Mm-hmm. And you start the sentence with, like, of course he does if you paid attention. It sort of starts really lovely and then there's a twist. Yes, yeah. And it comes again when Elton comes out to his mother on the phone, where it starts like quite understanding. Yeah. Like, I understand this about you. Please keep this to yourself. Yes, you know, it's yeah, quite. Yeah. There's there's something in that, and there's. Do you need to find the empathy in a character like that in order to play them and relate? To them? You don't want them to be a caricature. Yeah, exactly. It's like you want to, um, especially because Sheila's a real person so um so you want to understand okay how did she how the things that she said um you know uh elton john was an only child and and something that that she said to him was the biggest mistake of my life was having children Mm. how does a person get there you know (laughs) and what path do they take to get there and and i think that um you know from from what i heard there was this um, kind of, uh, she was self-absorbed and um, and hated her husband. And so to kind of use Elton in order to leverage, uh, she would leverage Elton kind of against her husband. And um, and on the one hand, she would she would compliment him if it if it served her, and then she would put him down if it served her. And um, and it was really. It was it was definitely a fine line because you don't you don't want to just play a wicked witch, you mm. know. And yet, there are, are families like this. There are people like this. And um, and because it doesn't explicitly, you know, turn into abuse, uh, they're not stopped. You know, those kinds of parents are not stopped, and and they should be. But do you think that ultimately, despite all of the, the sort of toxicity in the household? Elton became who he did through certain levels of support. Perhaps it came more from his grandmother, but perhaps there's just and Bernie and Bernie, of course, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting because Elton kind of had this like huge spectrum of love in his life. You know, there was tremendous lack, and then there was kind of overwhelming support, and um, and he he didn't experience uh, a loving relationship with his father, with his mother. Um, his stepfather was pretty wonderful. Mm. Fred was was pretty great. Apparently, kind of turned him onto that rock and roll music. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, supportive, a lovely person. And um, and then of course, you know, Bernie Taupin was was just 
a, a, a huge um, kind of grounding force in Elton's life and showed him what unconditional love looks like. Mm. And, um, and he had to, Elton had to get to a place in his life where, where he needed to learn that, okay, he was never hugged as a child, so he needs to hug himself. You know, he needs to heal from that and move on so that he can have a fulfilling, rewarding, healthy life himself. Yeah. And um, and I and I, I feel that that in many ways, Bernie represented that and um, and held that light for him. He kind of gave him the voice that he couldn't elsewhere. Yes. He couldn't yes. put it with the yeah, fingers. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's a, one of the really thing, the things that I really loved about the film was this such this clear distinction between his private life and then being a performer and going out on stage and turning it on, being flamboyant. And I heard that you've described yourself as an introvert. Yeah. But of course, you're an actor. Yeah. There's a lot of people that doesn't quite line up. Yeah. But how do you kind of balance that? How do you f- do, do you get a certain kind of uh, nervousness when you go on set onto perform, or is it something you just I do? Hide with? All you hide. The time. Yeah. I hide. You're like, where's Bryce? Where is she? <laughs> Open in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, I hide a lot. Uh, um, it's. I mean, to to be a performer like Elton John, where it's like, whoa, you know, it's the personality is is epic and and he's representing himself as well you know it's his own music it's his own voice um i mean that takes so much courage and so much bravery and and if if you're in that position of being a performer like that and you're also an introvert Mm. um that's a duality that that uh that is is going to have a certain level of intensity um and um and if you don't kind of protect yourself when when that duality exists within you, then you know you can get um, like for me, I'm not like Elton John, obviously. Like I'm not a performer like that. Um, I'm an actor, so I become different people. Uh, but but I'll I'll say my thing of when I'm feeling like I'm like melting down, basically, is I'll go. Oh, I'm very overstimulated right now. <laughs> I'll just say, oh, yes, I'm getting very stimulated. <laughs> because it's just, you know, like, oh, my gosh. It's it's so, um, it's just so when there's uh, kind of the feeling of, like, adoration mm. or, like, fame or kind of any of uh, of these things, it's, it's, re- it's high highs. And so naturally, low lows. Yeah. And um, and so I, I try to kind of just not participate too much in those very stimulating kinds of situations. Well, I, think, I think that's really interesting. I think a lot of people who maybe want to be actors think that they have to be extroverted in order to follow that career path. But yeah. you're a, a proof that, that you don't need to be. You just need to learn how to be who you are. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, I'm a talkative introvert. So like one-on-one, this is mm. great. This I seem bubbly and outgoing and all that kind of stuff. But if you see me at a party, again, it's like you see me and then you're like, where did she go? <laughs> you know? Um, and, and figuring out who you are, not what other people have projected onto you, but really mm. who you are, what makes you feel at peace is kind of what the journey is about in a way. Um, because when you feel at peace and you feel settled, then you start to uh, reflect that in your actions. And um, 
And so, you know, I'm 38 years old net right now. I've been doing this for a little while and and it's it's been also wonderful to have been raised in a household where I kind of saw I'm very similar to my dad. And so, um I, I he modeled for me, okay, this is how you kind of walk this walk and live this life right. and you don't take this personally and you prepare yourself for that and um and uh, and you know and this is what you focus on and and I think that that has definitely been um, a guiding principle for me. Sounds invaluable, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of Rocket Man is about not having that guide, not having yes. a support network yes. like you've had, and working out how to survive in such a high intensity life. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's truly wild. I I could not I could not imagine what it would be like to be someone who who becomes recognizable and famous and all of that when when they were born in a situation where where it was just you know total privacy no no one knew who they were like all of that like that is just mm-hmm. it's such a huge lifestyle change um i grew up in it so it's not it's not shocking or yeah. anything um but it is shocking uh, if you didn't grow up in it, and um, and it can impact people in sometimes in very 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 negative ways, if they don't they aren't given the tools to um, to kind of manage what that experience is like. It's a really like, brave film in that it's so happy. it shows that at its very best and at its very worst. Yeah, uh, you know, warts and all. Uh, I think that's really bold of Elton to allow people to tell his story in that yeah, way. Absolutely. I mean, if there's if there's one thing that Elton definitely is as a collaborator is brave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's someone who 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 goes where other people don't. You know, yeah. and because he's so self-expressed, he gives other people permission to be the same. And um and it's it's. Uh, incredible to me that there were no he didn't put any limitations on this project he wasn't like oh no 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 that's a dark corner please don't go there um you know he wanted the story to be told uh honestly and am i right thinking that you watched the film with elton a couple of days ago oh yeah yeah what, was that the first time he'd seen it, or did he, he must have? Seen I don't it, know. I actually don't know. Things, yeah. um, uh, but uh, it wasn't the first time I had seen it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's good to watch Rocket Man just a few seats down bet, from yeah. from Alton and Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> you must have had so much fun. You're doing British accents. You're singing "I Want Love in the Kitchen yeah. Table." Yeah. Uh, so much fun. Is yeah. there? Do you have a favorite Elton song or have you seen one of his songs in a new light since doing the film? Oh, well, you know, I'm Still Standing definitely was one of my favorite songs of his, is one of my favorite songs of his. And um, and I, I certainly had a different perception of it after reading the script, learning about him. Um, uh, I'm Still Standing is actually in the movie Sing. and um, And my daughter is that's her favorite song so she sings it constantly and i had no idea that it was actually taryn who sang that song in that movie um which is so wild uh so yeah so that that song is is that's my favorite all right so this film i remember was announced years ago like maybe five years ago and i remember it was originally announced that tom hardy was going to play elton john 
which looking at how Tom Hardy's career went seems like insane. He's a big chungus though, isn't he? He's a big chungus. He's a big chungus. <laughs> and he, uh, he's not as kind of petite as Elton. Uh, petite? Yeah, Elton's I would not pe- say pe- Elton John is petite. He used to be. Well, why is Taron Edgerton so petite then? Well, he's a bit, bit bigger. He's not like, he's not a small <laughs> human being. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so not yeah. chungus though, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Taron Egerton then takes on the role of Elton John. What do we think of Taron Egerton? Is he the right choice for Elton John? What do you think he does well in the role? Because this really is his film. He's in every single scene. He totally owns the every shot he's in. What do we think of him? Yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought he he um, he was Elton for me in the movie. I think that he um, he got a lot of his mannerisms right. Um, you know, the hair, the looks. Um, and his voice is in- really incredible. I thought that he did a fantastic job. Sold me. I was sold. Yeah, I mean, I've always... Uh, it's it's a role that he doesn't mind looking like an idiot playing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or at least, like, you know, he doesn't mind looking down and out and broken or, like, um, you know, un- unconfident. He's not strutting around everywhere in this movie. There is a lot of strutting, but not, you know, all the time. But in my childhood, I always saw Elton John as a very strange man like growing up <laughs> he was in the news all the time i didn't really know who he was i'm talking like when i was like seven or eight yeah was this man with like an orange wig small dumpy kind of walked around yelling at people i was never like what a what a star i was always like weird like weird dude like don't know what to make of him so watching this film and seeing taron edgerton egerton uh play him with kind of a lot of charisma mm. and also he's obviously such a handsome boy like those cheek cheekbones are insane no, uh, yeah i know um that for me like i think the performance is great F- physically at times i struggled um sometimes i was like yeah it looks like elton other times i was like i, I saw taron edgerton in the role so okay so what do we think about this film's approach then to the musical biopic because I think for me it was a surprise that this film is a full-on musical. It's not just, you don't just see him perform on stage or in studios or something. It's an out-and-out musical. It has those they are those extended musical uh, fancy sequences. Um, it's so theatrical and very Elton John. What do you think about that approach to this kind of story? So I, uh, obviously, for the last couple of years, we've been hearing a lot about Rocky Man and yeah. how it's going to be this like kind of hard-edged, yeah. kind of surreal drug-induced kind of like film and it's not that for me it's um it's a creative film visually like without a doubt but it's a musical like you said it's 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 a flamboyant colorful um visually creative musical yeah that doesn't really it's not it doesn't really push itself into those kind of surreal fantasy territories enough for me um it just feels like a very stylish kind of musical i think that they strike a good balance though i think i think I think it was a good idea to go for the musical because I think, look, it's going to come up. We're going to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody because of obvious reasons. Um, and I think it worked for me much better than Bohemian Rhapsody Than just did. watching them play and on just stage watching them over play and, it and over the, again. The, the, yeah. the traditional sort of paint-by-numbers mm-hmm. type of biopic that we're used to. I don't know. I think that still has elements it of it. It definitely though. does. We but s- I, think, I think that they strike a good balance between being super visually creative. Um, it's, it's, it's a it's very visually. dynamic film. I mean, it, you, you, you're never really bored. You can't figure out Agreed. the structure. In the first sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, you're kind of going, oh, this... Literally from the from the first sort of scene, you're like, oh, this is where we are. You know, there's a full-on dance scene. You're going along with him for the ride. And at, at times, that does mean that you're confused because he's under a huge amount of alcohol and drugs. Um, 
in the he's intoxicated basically a lot of the film yeah. and so you're kind of getting um uh, what's the word a piecemeal uh flashbacks of of his life and piecing it together as he sort of tells the story and i think that that's done in a, in a in a creative and engaging way using his music i think it's great i think the creative and engaging part is what keeps this film afloat and entertaining mm. Mm. because what everything you've just described about kind of low self-esteem issues becoming a performer his rise to stardom um you know his awful parents his his, his issues mm. with being a kind of gay man in that era which they do tackle all of that is also freddie mercury's story um in the films not in real life i don't want to um you know bring the two stories and compare them in real life but in the films this is exactly what we see mm-hmm. and the own like we're still getting a story told from you know uh, the genesis of a of a master all the way to his kind of um his fall mm-hmm. and then his rise back up to stardom again it's the it's dewey cox walk hard yeah. all over again it's just that this film is told with such kind of um there's a flamboyancy to the film, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what's yeah. so great about yeah. it, because the flamboyancy that Freddie Mercury had is not in any way represented. represented no. totally Whereas just, in this yeah. film, they represent it. Yeah. That's what separates the two films. Other than that, I do think we go on a very similar journey. Yeah. Uh, and anyone looking to find something new out about Elton John or new about kind of uh, you know, stardom and the the pitfalls of fame. I don't think you're going to get anything no, new out of it. No, but I think it is a good visual representation of his story. And also, I actually, so worth seeing like on the so big screen. It's so worth seeing yeah. on the big screen. And and I didn't know that stuff about his parents. You know, so that was something that I was like, oh, I didn't know this. You know, he did have kind of like a childhood. Sorry, he did have kind of a, a really bad childhood. <laughs> I I way preferred this film. I think to Bohemian Rhapsody, the way that they tackled. The, can I, the story. Can I ask what everyone's favorite song was in the in the film? Uh, I liked um, Saturday Night's All Right. Really good, wasn't that's, it? That's because that's the first real punchy. Well, that's the first one Taron Egerton sings, and that's the first one we're like, yes. "This is a musical." The transition from the yeah. the kid to Taron oh, Egerton yeah, is so good, beautifully yeah. done. Um, and can... I was I was into it. Yeah, in that me moment. too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. sat up and I was like, "Oh, yeah. that was that was good." Yeah. Um, my favorite Elton John song and the only Elton John song that I kind of put in a list of the best songs ever is, is Tiny Dancer. Yeah. I think that the film does a massive disservice to the song in this film and I was really disappointed. <laughs> Shame, sorry, Steve. Um so I uh probably instead would say his performance of Crocodile Rock uh, that's really was, good. So good. was pretty excellent actually and a really nice like visual again like we saw Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. succeed on stage for the first time and he just smiles and like does that goofy thing and like poses to the crowd. Yeah. And that's the end of the scene. In this, we see Elton John like float up from the piano yeah. and the whole crowd slows down so and then he like bangs the, the keys again and everyone kind of falls back to the floor. Yeah. It's done in a in an expressive way. And that's the most I can ask for from what I still think is a paint by numbers biopic. But those scenes themselves are exhilarating sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are occasions when there's very exhilarating scenes. Look, you can kind of tell that they think they made this film with the idea of maybe putting it on stage at some point. Do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could see it definitely like on the West End or Broadway, or Broadway, Broadway performance for mm-hmm. sure. I'd love to see that. That's, yeah, a, very I would cool, love, that's a very good shout. Yeah, that's I would really love to fun, go and yeah. see that. Like, I think that that, that that it's a musical in that, mm. in that sense. And that's saying something, you know, that you you feel the, the theatrics of it. Uh, come through absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah and i think the theatrics of, like i said the theatrics of elton john like we need this in a film like yeah. this we need this yeah. yeah so if you're in the mood for loud colorful flamboyant musicals aladdin and rocket man will make for a great double build this weekend time now for our second guest since launching his career with billy elliott jamie bell has maintained his position as one of the best young british actors going 
Here he plays Bernie Torplin, Elton John's lyricist and lifelong friend. So we sent our lifelong friend, Ella Kemp, on her birthday, no less, to interview Jamie Aww. Bell. Enjoy. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. It's her birthday today. <laughs> Jamie Bell, thank you so much for talking to me. We're here to talk about Rocketman, yep. um, the upcoming Elton John film. Yes. Um, so you play Bernie Torpin, yep. Elton John's lyricist. Um, yep. But I wanted to ask about your own relationship with Elton John sure. before, during, after the film. Mm-hmm. Kind of as much Elton John, the musician, mm-hmm. as much the man that you might have met on set, and the character that you're acting yeah, sure. So uh, I actually met Elton when I was a kid because he was in Cannes for the premiere of Billy Elliot, which oh. was 150 years ago. And uh, and he was very moved by that movie, mostly because of the relationship between Billy and his father. Elton didn't have the best relationship with his own dad. Um, his father never came to see him perform, ever. Hmm. So at the end of that movie, when Billy's dad comes to see him perform as a grown man... I think it just kind of broke him in a way. Um, And he was also like one of the first really famous people I'd ever met. So it was quite a surreal kind of experience. He obviously then went on to write the music for the musical of Billy Elliot. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of saw him around that time as well. And um, we've kind of been like like cosmically tethered for a while. So now to kind of play Bernie Top and his longtime friend and collaborator, um, there's some kind of weird synergy in that for me. You know, there really is. Um, but in terms of Taryn's interpretation of him, um, what he's managed to avoid, I think, is doing just an impersonation mm-hmm. and kind of mimicking something that we're kind of vaguely familiar with. But he's embodied the the, the spirit and, and the soul of him, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's 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 done that really well. Yeah, and we see that in the film that there's no impersonations at any point. That everything is, at the same time, very very authentic, but very big and yeah. fantastical and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. How was it? Um, putting together those performances, because, of course, you sing mm-hmm. in this film. And yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. it's an amazing moment. Yeah, it's kind of insane because you never get to hear the lyricist sing his own songs. Mm. And I really love that um, Lee Hall, the writer, and Dexter gave the character of Bernie that opportunity. You know, it also comes at a very significant moment in their relationship and their collaboration together. Um but in terms of just being on the set of a film like this is extraordinary because you have like all these dancers doing this amazing choreography that like Elton's music is blasting out of speakers all day long. The clothes alone like that decade um, really produce some kind of interesting mm-hmm. attire. You know, everyone's in these kind of crazy wigs and everything. Um, I would sit outside of Taryn's trailer and hear him singing the songs in there and, and I'd just be wondering what kind of outfit he was going to mm. walk out in today. Uh <laughs> It was just a fun set, you know, mm. and Dexter, our director, really set the tone. Um, and the, he was full of energy and full of life, and the film is really a reflection of that. Mm. And from everything that we can see and how loud and how bright it is, I must say, of all of the different musical films that I can think of, the one that came to mind for me was Moulin Rouge, True. most yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, but then it, it made me think about the different styles of music that we see in these films, mm-hmm. and often it can be something that's a lot more angsty and more guitar-led and very brooding but then I'm really curious about how you were attracted to this role also thinking about teen spirit which Mm -hmm. I saw and loved as well and just thinking about the idea of pop music and why that should be the music that we're celebrating. Sure sure I mean I think you know in terms of pop music pop music has a, um, a formula to it that is just undeniable I think people a lot of people like to dismiss pop music as something that is not worthy of our time but I think secretly they love it mm. you know what I mean secretly they, they do enjoy it to a degree 
pop music is kind of operatic in its form. It's quite melodramatic. Um, uh, and I certainly love that. Um, you know, I, I, Teen Spirit is, is a film about a girl wanting to achieve her dreams. Uh, and we don't take pop music for granted in that movie mm -hmm. at all. Um, with, with Elton's music and what we've done in this film, uh, it's, it's telling the story. Like, it's, it's narratively, actively taking us through time and through the decades um, and illustrating that particular moment. Um, Giles Martin, our music producer, has, has done some interpretations on some of the songs to um, tonally tell the story as well. So um, we're kind of changing some of Elton's music mm. to a degree to, to our benefit to tell the story. Elton's music is, is very vulnerable. It's music that is really pouring his heart out to you. And I think that's why it has connected with so many people. It's mm -hmm. because they feel that and they respond to that. And hopefully that's what they feel when they, when they see the movie. Absolutely, well, I hope so too. I'm very excited to see more of it and All for right. everyone else to see it as yeah, well. Thank you so much. Happy birthday. To... Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank Good you. to see you. So Rocket Man and Aladdin are out today in cinemas. Over on Cousin Home Cinema, you can catch up with Birds of Passage, which we uh, reviewed on last week's show, where you can hear our interview with the two directors of that film. And also, Cannes is happening at the moment, but if you haven't been lucky enough to make it over to the Riviera, you can go on Cousin Home Cinema for our Cannes Palm Door Winners collection, where we have last year's winner, Shoplifters, the year before that's winner, The Square, we've got Blue is the Warmest Colour, and more, Paris, Texas, among many others. Uh, that's it from us this week, then. If you have any thoughts on Rocketman or Aladdin or any of our other recent releases, do let us know by emailing podcast at curzon.com for next week's show or tweeting us at Curzon Cinemas. If it's your first time listening, you can subscribe, leave a review or a comment. We're available on iTunes, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at samhallett underscore one. You can follow Kelly. KS underscore Powell. Stephen is on Letterboxd. At Stephen Ryder with two R's at the end. And thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.